In a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie and you're listening to Some Kind of Brown, a podcast about mixed and multiracial life, current events, and ways to build the best life by a southern girl who's trying to figure it out for herself. Oh, would you look at that? I'm back with another episode. My short body is full of more meds than should probably be allowed. And my new computer charger is all shiny and new and working. And I have my laptop back. Thank goodness. Thank you guys for checking on my autoimmune diseased body. This is the second half of the conversation with Charmaine from Militantly Mixed. But before we get into that, I just wanted to play a quick promo. And then we'll just jump right into the conversation. Have you ever wished that I was Asian? Or male? Or actually really funny? Well, you either clicked on the wrong podcast or I think I'm just hilarious because that's also a very distinct possibility. Too bad none of those things are true and you're stuck with my oddly soothing, high-pitched voice that makes me sound about 16. But luckily, we have Mike and Fumi from Asian Not Asian. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Fumi Abe. I'm Mike Nguyen. And we are the hosts of the Asian Asian, Not Asian Asian Podcast. Have you ever wondered what it's like being an Asian guy? No. No. Have you ever wondered what your rice cooker says about you as a lover? No. Have you ever wondered why an Asian mom will make her son practice piano for five hours a day, but then get really mad when the son eventually wants to become a pianist? Hell no. But that's what this podcast is all about. It's two Asian guys not from Asia talking about American issues no American cares about. Check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. New episodes every monday bye but japan being a place where there is a lot more money than maybe some of the places that the foreign workers come from that they're asked to give up their name to do it and so if that's the culture and my version of it is two generations american (laughs) you know kind of diluted through it and then on top of it i'm black and on top of it i'm white too what are you you're not japanese You know, and they don't view us as they don't view us as white, black, Asian, like they view us as Americans who happen to be different colors. We view ourselves as different colors who happen to be Americans. Yeah. You know, so we're not even speaking the same identifying language to even begin to have a conversation about why it's okay to be mixed or or whatever, (laughs) you know? And so like my American cousins that are Japanese are also mixed, but they're white. They're Japanese and white. And they grew up in a place where there's a lot of mixed Japanese. And then I grew up here. And more than that, I grew up in the hood. So of course I'm black first because I grew up around black people in the hood. And every time I was around Japanese people, I had to pretend I wasn't black. So even though it's my second cultural immersions, you know, in terms of quantity, it's hard to go full Japanese because I wouldn't even be welcomed as a proper Japanese if I tried. Like I would be, I'd be welcome on an individual level, but not on a cultural level. And so, yeah, so like all of us little mixed Japanese kids who found each other growing up, we all commiserated over not being Japanese enough. And so we attach to whatever would accept us. And in my case, it does not matter. I have yet to be not accepted as a Black person by Black people. I will be joked about being mixed or being, you know, oh, you just mad because that's that white coming out of you, or, you know, things like that. <laughs> but it's always done. It's never, to me, it's never been done in a way that was mean hearted or anything like that. It was more of like making fun of you and I mean, you can break it down a little bit further and be like, yeah, but you're making fun of something I had no control over. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, it's a a thing. 
I'm far more accepted by black folks as a black person. I don't even have to be mixed if I don't want to be. Even presenting the way I do around the black people I grew up with, around the black people I have found in my adulthood. My partner in pod, Javia Nicole from Black Radical Queer, you know, she sits there and she's just like, you know, whenever I'm apologetically mixed black, she stops me in my tracks. And she's like, how many times we got to talk about this? You know, like you're black, just be black in this moment. If that's what you need to be, be black. Don't, don't be like, well, I'm mixed. So I don't really know what you're going through, but my version of it, you know, she's, she's kind of one of the ones in, and currently in my life that when she catches me being apologetically mixed, she stops me. Yeah. I'm hardly apologetically mixed anymore, but it happens on occasion. You know, some of them slip out sometimes. And she's one of the people that called me on it. I do not have a Japanese version of that. It's hard to unlearn that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 41. I've been apologetically mixed for a long time. <laughs> so it's tough. You know, it is a tough thing. I'm getting better at it. And certainly doing the show that's based about mixed raceness helps because I'm hearing I'm hearing it in other people when I'm talking to my guests. I hear what makes them apologetic. And you know how you can dish out the advice, but you can't take it. I'm yeah. telling people on a weekly basis, oh, no, 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 don't apologize. Be your mixed ass self. It's literally how I end my show. Don't forget to be your mixed ass self. Don't be afraid to be a mixed ass self. And then I'll turn around and be like, sorry, little mixed girl coming through. You know, <laughs> it happens. It happens. But I don't have a Japanese version of that. I don't yeah. have a a safe space Japanese friend who is telling me the way a, a lot of my black friends are. You're Japanese. Be Japanese. Who cares? You know, be your full Japanese-ness, whatever your thing is. Uh, an example is I went to get my hair cut recently and not the person who was doing my hair, but another person in the, in the shop was Japanese. And when the lady who was doing my hair heard that I was Japanese, she's like, oh, okay, that, you know, that lady over there. And so I started speaking to her in the best that I could. And she did all the cultural identifiers that I expected her to say. She told me that I spoke Japanese really well which is mm -hmm. a clue for me to say, no, I don't speak very well, but thank you. And then she goes, no, 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 you do speak really, really well. And then I'm like, no, thank you, thank you. No, I'm sorry, I don't. Because it's an apologetic culture. So I was going to say, yeah. It's, it's part of like the way you're supposed to go. Like once we go through the, that formality of me saying like, basically the the term is, but I'm not very good yet. It's demo mara arimasen. Whatever your thing is that you're saying you do, like if you're building something and a Japanese person says, oh, you're building that really well. You're like, oh, I kind of build it okay, but demo mara arimasen. I'm not that good. Yet. <laughs> you, know? you always have to be like super you, humble. You have to do it. And so I went through that motion and she, she came and, and then she wanted to see my face. And this was one of the few times this has ever happened. So she came around, she'd been listening to me, but she came around and she goes, oh, you don't have nappy hair at all. Uh -huh. Ouch. What? And I was like, no, I have Japanese hair. And she's like, oh, I wonder why. Because what in her, mean, wonder why? Well, think about it from being a biracial white and black American perspective. A white person is going to only see the blackness, even to a white presenting. Once they find out a white presenting biracial person is <gasps> black, right? The one drop thing. This is the this is the Japanese version of that. You're not Japanese, so you can't. I you can't have anything about you that would scream Japanese to right. me. So when she's coming around that corner, she's expecting to see a black girl who's just pale. And when she saw me, she's like, "Oh!" And you know, being a Japanese person from Japan and not knowing that that isn't the way you should you should make that statement. You don't have nappy hair at all. Yeah, I said no. My hair isn't like black hair. 
to clarify the nappy thing. Yeah. Um, and I go, but it, I go, I have Japanese hair. And she's like, kind of. Because she wouldn't have been able to give it to me, even if her and my hair was exactly the same, she wouldn't have been able to give it to me because her culture is telling her there's no such thing that once you dilute it, it's diluted and the Japanese-ness is gone. Now, this is interesting, right? Here, the one drop rule, if you're even one drop of black, that black is so powerful, you can't be white anymore, right? Yeah. Whereas in Japanese, it's like Japanese once tainted can no longer be Japanese. To me, that always sounds so funny. Like, is your own culture so weak that if it's mixed with something, it's gone? I'm saying, like, wouldn't you want to be like, that's that Japanese in you? Are you insulting yourselves when you say that? Because you do realize if you're implying that That means like (laughs) your bloodline isn't strong enough to overpower blackness or any other thing that's in there. Like, okay, between my mom and her sisters, who are all half Japanese and half white, my mom looks the most white. Okay. But if she takes her makeup off, you can see that she's a mixed Asian. When she puts her makeup on, you can't tell because she undoes the shape of her eyes and stuff and her coloring changes when she puts makeup on. Her older sister looks like a half Japanese, half white person. Like all the familiar symptoms of whiteness, but with a Japanese thing going on. Her her youngest sister is the milkiest, we call it milky skin, Japanese color, uh, milkiest of all of us. And definitely like a mixed Asian and white, but what kind of Asian is the question. You know, you're not necessarily going to identify her for sure as Japanese or anything like that. But standing next to my grandmother, you'd be like, okay, sure, Japanese. Standing next to anybody else, you'd be like, what kind of Asian are you? They all have a different version of what a mixed Asian white person kind of looks like. And and my mom is just the one who happens to look white. Don't tell her that because she'll punch you in the face. But she just happens to look more white. And when people, when she tries to sell something, she's Japanese, she gets it harder than I do because at least I'm yellow, but she's white. <laughs> she looks white. <laughs> so it's a whole thing. Like, it's so weird to think that like the Japanese wasn't even strong enough to make her kids look Japanese. Whereas like some of my my mom's first cousins are mixed the same way and they look more Japanese than they do white. It's just a roll of a dice. Like you can't do anything about it. It really is with mixed kids. It really, really is. And then to have, to come from a culture that is not willing to accept you as a Japanese and more than anything, think of us kind of like otakus. You just like Japanese stuff. We are not Japanese. That's kind of what I come from. Yeah. And it sucks because I have this dual thing of like loving the culture that I come from, loving the food, loving the cultural activities, loving Cherry Blossom Festival time. Like Cherry Blossom for me is Japanese Christmas. Like it's not because there's gifts or anything like that, but it's like the most Japanese-ness I get every year, you know? Having all these things that I love, anime and samurai movies and things like that, like having this honor code, which doesn't translate well in America. (laughs) And Um, it's very hard to explain. Yeah, and it's really hard to explain. Hey guys, this is Future Me, and I just wanted to warn you that we will get a little bit into suicide around 11.40. If you'd like to, you can skip to 14.09, and we'll continue on with the conversation. I just wanted to give you a little heads up. Having a different view of suicide. Oh my gosh, yeah. While being an American who also suffers from depression, not I'm not suicidal, and yet I come from a culture in which suicide's not a bad thing necessarily. Not all the time. And- the tragedy 
in it is what happened to cause you to have right. to do it to restore your honor. But the, the act itself is not a tragedy. That is something that I have more of a Japanese mentality about suicide than I do an American mentality. And yet I was born here. There is an aspect of me and I suffer from chronic persistent depression and sometimes major depression. When I hear that a depressed person commits suicide, my first reaction is not to think of it as a tragedy. The first reaction is to think of it like f try to find out like what is the thing that would tell me if this person just could not function or if it really would be more of a release oh, man. to let go. Now, trying to be an American <laughs> who suffers from depression and yet has that perspective. That must be so hard. It's a conversation that doesn't end very well sometimes. People yeah. get really mad at me for it. But I'm dealing with thinking that uh, my husband says it better than I ever came up with, but he uses it when we talk about like, you know, Marvel movies and certain characters sacrificing themselves and things like that. A longer life isn't necessarily better than an honorable death. If you're suffering and there is not a way, like, you know, say it's a chemical suffering, say it's a other kind of thing, whatever, mm -hmm. a, a, a terminal disease and you don't want the disease to kill you you'd rather do it on your own terms i feel that that is more there's more honor in that but i also feel that there is more bravery in that than living i have those feelings too i mean you guys listening you already know that i have generalized anxiety disorder and ptsd and a multitude of health issues i did get suicidal because i was like there's so much wrong with me mm. and at the time I wasn't going to the right doctors I didn't have all this kind of stuff the level of control that I do now which it still isn't ideal but we're getting there I didn't have that and I was like maybe it would be better for everyone if I removed the burden so that's what makes it tragic yeah is because you said it would be better for everyone yeah so like I, I can kind of understand that but to me having come out of that and being like, no, I have value. I have something I want to contribute to the world. And ultimately deciding to like vent my wanting to contribute into this podcast. Mm -hmm. And the American in me would agree. It's so interesting hearing all of these things because I just had a conversation with someone who is mixed white and Japanese. And there's so many differences between her experience and yours. And it's not just because she is mixed with white and you're mixed with black. It's also because her Japanese traces back to internment camps. Oh, so yeah, we're different. We're totally a different type of Japanese. Yes, you like completely different. And I never anticipated that it would be so different. No, it is. <laughs> and you came from a Japanese that it resulted in... What time? Uh, that, well, that was birthed from being occupied mm -hmm. after serious bombings mm -hmm. that killed, like annihilated people. Hirohito's propaganda machine was such that Americans were cannibals that were coming to eat the flesh of your children. So... My grandmother was the oldest child, and it was her job to make sure that the peaches that were on the mantle always were poisoned so that when the Americans <gasps> came, she could pass out the peaches to her siblings, and they would all eat them so that when the Americans came to eat their flesh, they would die from the poison that killed my family. That makes me want to vomit. She's a oh. child. She's a child. So as an American, you hear this, and you're like, what the serious fuck? This child's job was to pass poison around to her family. You know, like, I can hear it oh, when I tell this to, so to Americans, where they're just like, oh my gosh, this is terrible, right? I'm Japanese, though. I'm like, yeah, you don't let the enemy kill you. You kill yourself. If all is lost, and the bombs are here, 
and the Americans are banging at your door and there's nothing you can do because you're, you know, a family of women and one of them's sick and yeah. then the rest of you are all kids under the age of nine. That's the way to do it. Like my Japanese son is telling me that's the way to do it. My American side understands that because I have educated myself and I know what those soldiers did. You're right. And not just Americans. Like right. a blanket statement, I know what soldiers did when they took over cities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of it was the propaganda machine and part of it was, yes, war creates evil and people or uh, opens up the avenues towards evil for some yeah. regular ass people. But in her case, it had the different effect because when the Americans did come to where they lived, they, they gave out chocolate to the kids and they gave presents and food. And so uh. my, my grandmother had a different experience of what Americans were. And so much so that I do believe it's not something she's ever said, but just based off of hearing those stories and her obsession with American culture that followed, she basically was trying to come to America so she could marry Clark Gable. And she just happened to meet <laughs> my grandfather instead. I think she became obsessed with like American men because her American men came and gave her more than Hirohito did. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and so, you know, that's how I think I honestly, I think it's because an American gave her and her siblings chocolate bars that I am a mixed person, (laughs) you know, like that's, I think that's part of it. It's so interesting. What can influence your experiences and just you two, like number one, if you want, I, I can like hook you two up if you want to have someone else who will see you as Japanese because so 100% will. But the, because of when the your families immigrated, mm-hmm. so much of your experience is different. It is. And I'll tell you, like when I, I used to go to the internment, I don't want to say celebrations, but the events where you would like go with other Japanese people and there'd be a presentation or a speech or something like that. I would go to uh, memorials. There you go. I couldn't think of a way to call it. Uh, But we'd go to these events, you know, there would be like a screening of a documentary and then maybe a book signing or something like that. And I would go to them. And one day I bought a book about the Japanese internment to bring to my grandmother. And I was telling her, you know, this is what happened to the Japanese who were here in the States. And my grandma, she at first didn't want to open it because she's like, but they're not Japanese. Oh boy. (laughs) And I was like, no, they are. They were, a lot of them were first generation, you know, born here. So they were like mom and stuff, you know, and she'd go, no, 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 their families left. They were different. And I was like, but you left. She's like, I'm different too now. You know, because (laughs) me too. (laughs) Even though she is no longer Japanese because she left Japan, she's even a different kind of not Japanese than the internment. The one, those that suffered the internment. So she flipped through the book a little bit. And she's like, why did they let this happen to them? And I'm like, why did you guys have poison peaches on your, on your mantle? You know, like war, why did, why did war does it. Like, Cause people do bad things. It's almost like she didn't have sympathy towards them, but not in a way, not like I'm claiming that my grandmother is, has no empathy, but yeah. in, in a way that it was like the way they allowed them to be dominated was weird to her yeah, for what she experienced. And her version of American soldiers and internment version of American soldiers, although it is the same time period, totally different. Yeah totally different that is one of the questions that i think a lot of us mixed japanese do ask is like are you in turn well <laughs> i've literally heard this question and have asked this question are you internment japanese or are you japanese japanese and that actually makes a massive difference 
It does. It does. And so like in my case, I'm second generation Japanese Japanese and, you know, someone who had family in internment would be internment Japanese. And that's just that's the way we would view it. Like and then it's kind of piecing back. Well, when did when were you last Japanese? (laughs) I mean, I hate last Japanese. Who was the last person? Who was the last person? In my case, I know who the last Japanese was. She's still kicking. She's my grandmother. You know, she's the one who left. But if you're internment Japanese, that means that you've been here for enough generations that you're American. It's like yeah. basically, even for me, who is screaming to be acknowledged as a mixed Japanese person, it would be my knee jerk reaction based off of how I was raised. It would take me a second to fix it, you know, in my head. But my knee jerk reaction would be like, well, no, you're American. You've been here a long time. Just like I'm not African American. I'm black. Yeah. Because my people have been here a long time. It's a diaspora instead of Right. You're yeah, exactly. It's a diaspora. It's not so like because my living relative is from Japan and I know her and I knew her her parents and I know my her her siblings, you know, who came here and I know my cousins. I have a touchstone back to Japan mm-hmm. is my grandmother, my British grandmother. Same thing, even though I don't speak to her anymore. She was living a big part of my childhood. She came from England. When I went to England, even though I didn't see her or any of her family, it felt very familiar because of what I was raised in. Things like I feel comfortable claiming England as an origin spot because I have a relative that I knew from there and her culture translated when I went there. Japan, same thing. Africa, I happen to know what country the people that I descend from came from, but that's only because I took a DNA test African ancestry test. Which I want to take so badly. The African ancestry actually broke down which tribes my ancestors came from. So I know which tribes they came from. And if I ever save enough money and can go there, I will be able to go to the land that, you know, potentially that I had ancestors. And maybe I have relatives, but I have no idea. I'll never know. Because unless you're walking around just poking blood samples, (laughs) you know, like, you know, I'm never going to (laughs) know. I mean, it's not like we have pictures and like, do you know this woman? (laughs) Like, you can't do that. Yeah, like, uh, because as far as I know, given the country that they're from, they were probably really recent in the African slave trade. Gabon is the is the country. Gabon wasn't a part of the African slave trade until the last mm. decade of the slave trade. So we could have missed it, but we didn't. <laughs> and so maybe there are living relatives there, but I will, you know, I'll never know. I'll never, I'll never know. We know the ship my family came over in, but that means absolutely nothing because they just gathered from different regions. Right. So that like Ancestry.com's just going to tell you Bantu because they traveled all over Africa. It won't be able to designate what country necessarily, but it's going to group you. It's going to say Cameroon, Nigeria, anything on the Ivory Coast, like anything on the yeah. Western Coast. It's going to group all of those. According to my one of my uh, first bosses, I'm Nigerian, so... <laughs> He said, I, he, I look Nigerian. And that's the other thing is people who have any connection to Africa will look at you and be like, yeah, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. Yeah. The African ancestry test, they have 35,000 markers. So they they really can get you down. Oh, wow. They definitely will get you to a country. But in my case, they got me down to three tribes. Wow. And they sent a letter with, with 100% confidence. I've seen people who have had letters that like 98% confidence, 92%, 87%. My families came back 100% confident on the patriarchal line. Now, what is it? Mitochondrial? Is that the mother? 
Yeah. The, that line, I so. in my case, to find the female line of my African ancestry, my father's first cousin, who is sort of like the family genealogist or whatever, she's going to do it one day, if and when she ever does it. She is the daughter of the sister of my grandfather. So she would carry the mitochondrial side of my grandfather's family, and he carries whatever the patriarchal line is. Yeah. It's expensive. It's way more expensive. Like Ancestry.com is like 60 bucks. African Ancestry is like 300. (laughs) But it was important for me to find out only because I, you know, I'm one of those people. I don't like the term African-American. I I don't feel comfortable using it. I don't feel that it is. I just use black. I'm black. I'm black. My people are black. If the black people I'm related to stand next to a person from Gabon right now, they will not look the same. (laughs) You know, they're different. I used it for a while, but... All I can think of when I say African-American is slavery. I don't know why. It's also why I don't love Asian and why I do like to say Japanese because I know that I'm from Japan. Like, I know that my family's from Japan. I know that I'm not a fill-in-the-blank Asian. And the difference between being an Asian in America and being an African descendant in America is that likelihood all Asian Americans know what their Asian origin is, you know? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'm not... Again, not Asian, but it sounds so strange to say Asian when Asia is like this humongous, humongous continent. And honestly, the ethnic groups are so diverse. Even if you separate, and forgive me for the term, but we use it internally, the top three. Oh, yeah. Even if you separate China, Japan, and Korea from all the other Asians, there is still 11 billion other South Asians. Southeast Asians. Yes. And uh, that's something Soph and I talked about. Like, we talk about Asian American history in the US and we talk about these groups, but we have Hmong people who came here after, you know, some American interference and tragedies on the outside. Yeah. Uh, We have a lot of Thai people. We have. Obviously, huge Vietnamese populations Mm -hmm. in pockets. Laotians. Yeah, and nobody talks about those. And like the Indian communities, people forget uh, they they are a continent among, like to themselves. Like, to themselves. And when Indian people say South Asian, it makes American go, huh? Yeah. Because they don't think, they don't think about them as a, like, they're, they think about yellow Asian, not brown Asian. And like, so many Americans, Malaysia, have they heard of Malaysia, Singapore? They don't know diddly squat. There's a lot of parts of Asia that have different names, but are ethnic yeah. Chinese and, you know, geographic other countries like Malaysia and Taiwan and, you know, other places like that. China um, still wants yeah, back. Yeah, it's, it's like... <laughs> there's yeah yeah there, there's there's just so much diversity within the Asian population itself that like I would you know it's it's hard as an Asian as an Asian mix it's hard because I mean even if I wasn't an Asian mix even if I was a full blood whatever how many times someone says you're Chinese right yeah no okay well that doesn't matter because blah 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 fill in the blank Asian thing and I'm like no that's Korean well you weren't even thinking of the right Asian you know when you try to combat that they're like well what are you racist you're getting no it's just I want to be identified for what I am and then that leaves out I feel like Asian American Pacific Islander it's Asian American Pacific Islander month and I feel like every time people have discussions or I see things about it the Pacific Islanders are not in the conversation right and see and that's an interesting population too because what do they evolve 
down from they come from a mix of asians and africans <laughs> you know there's there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with their genetic ethnic development also and culturally some of the things that they have going on you couldn't compare a lot of south asians to pacific islanders in terms of culture or crossover yeah whereas like it makes sense that there's a little bit of crossover between koreans and japanese not just because the occupation but the close proximity to the islands in comparison to say tonga or you know samoa hawaii new zealand with the maori people papua new Zealand, you know all that kind of stuff yeah the maori people like all those different groups they have so many other things going on in them before they even get to the islands that they're currently settled on i just i don't know there's so much ethnic diversity that it really sucks to try to be like oh we're all asian or we're all african i mean even amongst the african diversity that you know even amongst the black african diversity let's let's forget the fact that north africa is primarily arab and that south africa has bunch of dutch and stuff like that like let's forget about all that and just talk about the the black africans themselves there's subtle genetic differences between the different ethnic groups but there are tons of variations in terms of natural skin color protection the south sudanese are like the darkest people on the planet yeah and beautiful beautiful skin beautiful skin and because their skin is really there to a hundred percent protect them from all the things that the sun could do to them you know and then you get closer then to ethiopia and they start to get a little bit more sort of a probably even a far back mix between the the arabs and the and the africans and stuff like that you know the black africans and the arabs so they're a little bit more brown than black and their Mm -hmm. facial structure is different you move all the way down into other parts of africa and you have different facial structures there different skin tones different reactions to the sun different body shapes and stuff like that and yet we're all supposed to sit there and be like yeah we're african yeah but then the diaspora of blackness we have been and I'm going to use we because I'm speaking in my blackness. Again, at me if you have problems with it. We, Wait, nobody that listens to your show is like, I can't believe this mixed black girl claimed black all of a sudden. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not do that. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're the best listeners ever. I'm defensive. <laughs> I self-offended myself. I apologize. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> it's so funny. I grew up in a racist environment, so I'm always ready to like defend like myself. Jerk reaction, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm the worst when it comes to stereotypes. <sighs> I, yeah. Oh god, I'm the worst. I, I I try not to do it on my show, but oh my gosh, if you knew me in real life. <laughs> See, I'm just like this in real life. It's I I feel like sometimes it's hard for people to imagine that I'm black because I lack some of the stereotypical identifiers, but whatever. <laughs> whatever. But In the Black Diaspora, we have been in whatever country we ended up in, have genetic differences too. Like, I have Haitian Mm -hmm. friends, and you put a Haitian person sometimes next to an African-American person, and they're they're different too. Yeah, they don't look the same. And they have completely different cultures. Oh my gosh, Haitian culture is so rich, and... How about tell a Jamaican that they're African? Oh, yeah. How about try that? You know, like, I mean, we're all different. Yes, we all understand that people took us from one continent and dropped us and sprinkled us around the world. We 100% all understand that. But after all these generations, like, look at the Black folks that are on the islands, the, you know, the Caribbean, they are their own thing now. They are fully Jamaican. They are fully Haitian. They are 
fully Cuban. There are a few, you know, whatever the different areas of the Bahamans and same like that, whatever the thing is. Or fully Brazilian, because right now they're going through some issues. Yeah, well, they, they got a lot of colorism issues and stuff like that, too. Yeah. But they're fully able to be their entire own ethnic groups. But Black Americans, because they don't have a space, gosh, I'm... It's always dangerous when you start to talk like this. It's not, I'm not saying like separate but equal, and I'm not saying segregation is okay. What I'm saying is if post emancipation, we all did go to a place, let's say voluntarily, not because like Abraham Lincoln wanted us to all go to Panama, (laughs) (laughs) totally other episode. Let's say they pulled a, the thing, what they did with Israel post, post uh, World War II. Let's say that there was a, yeah. ch- a spot of land that they carved out. They probably elbowed some poor, unfortunate indigenous folks to give us a space. And we all grew up there now. We probably would have, cre- you know, developed ethnic similarities across that. And we would have all been a thing, you know, and, you know, just like the Jamaicans now have identifiers and Bahamans have identifiers and all that kind of stuff. We probably would have gotten there. Maybe a safer way to say it is, If following the freedom of slavery after the Civil War, if Black people in the U.S. had been allowed to express and be themselves, Mm -hmm. maybe it would be different. Because we both know, and a lot of the listeners in the U.S. know, that there were things following uh, post-slavery that kept Black people in America from forming a different their own culture essentially stayed slave so it's not necessarily i think an area thing and it was so much more of a cultural suppression right but if they were together if they were actually in a space where they were together genetically over time they would have created their different identifiers but now the difference between my black and your black is going to be just as different from each other as our blackness is different from africa anybody in africa anybody in any country in Africa. And my blackness and my cousin's blackness, like some of my cousins have green eyes and some of them have straight hair. Some of them have like this stereotypical, I hate the word kinky, but like. Like C4 hair or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> C4. <laughs> three three yeah. C. Whatever. Did that I say it? Yeah, I said it, I said it was so weird. Um, but but yeah. it's not explosions if you want to google curl patterns it- <laughs> I, I i read a lot of comic books i wasn't thinking <laughs> it's 4c right like i said i said i said it backwards i i understand yeah, now that i said I it backwards. i'm tired i don't know so, but yeah like that kind of stuff be because because we weren't God, I keep hating that I'm saying it because we weren't in a in you know a similar state space and and kind of you know made it amongst ourselves versus spreading all the way out we didn't create like american black genetic code identifiers i think right i think black americans feel orphaned from everywhere we're not american even though we're literally american we're not african because we were taken from the continent we don't know where we came from and unless some of us are from the islands and know it you know i think there's very few people who are americans who are Jamaican and don't know they're Jamaican. You know, a lot of us are Americans yeah. that don't know we're Gabonese or, you know, Nigerian or Kenyan or, you know, whatever. That's very possible with us, but not necessarily Islanders that come here and assimilate. You know, usually they know. Even if they're like multi-generational Americans by this point, they're still like, yeah, my, my people from Jamaica and I still know that. We just don't have that here. And so we feel like we're orphaned from Africa. We're orphaned from 
you know, we're not full citizens, even though we're literally full citizens, you know, we're not granted the same benefits of society, the same privileges in a lot of respects, you know, we're over-policed and disenfranchised and all kinds of stuff. And yet somehow we have to try to make a home, <laughs> make this place our home because that's where we're from. You know what's interesting? I feel like in the weirdest of ways, this comes for full circle. Mixed Japanese people feel orphaned. Yeah, we come from a culture that doesn't see us as... Yeah. We're Jon Snow's. Yeah, in, in multiple ways when, you're mix, when you mix that with black. Mm -hmm. You're just all around orphaned. I would say any kind of Japanese mix, but to a, a heavier degree... There would be a hierarchy. They would accept black. They would accept white Japanese mixes, and then they would start accepting various uh, various lighter browns <laughs> <laughs> mixes. And then you get to black, and you're like, "All right, fine," but it's only because you're famous. <laughs> only if you beat Serena Williams. Only if you beat Serena Williams, we're still gonna make you white on the cover of a of a commercial or on a on a animated commercial. But you know, and freak out when you when you understand Japanese on shows. Oh, there's this, I'll send it to you if I can find it. There's this sketch that beautifully identifies what it's like to be a Japanese person in America. Everybody at the table is a different race. There's a white guy, there's a black guy, there's different kind of Asian, non-Japanese Asians. There is a Japanese American and a Latinx person. Every person at the table speaks perfect Japanese, except for the Japanese American. She does not speak Japanese because she's an American. <laughs> the, they're in Japan and the Japanese waitress comes up to the table, looks right at the Japanese and starts speaking to her. And she goes, I'm sorry, I don't speak Japanese. And then the white person's like in Japanese, like, yeah, she's our friend visiting from America. She doesn't speak Japanese. I would like to order blah, blah, blah. And then the Japanese woman looks at the white guy and she's like, um... Like, I don't understand. And then she looks back at the Japanese person who is American. And she's like, you know, she starts asking questions. What did, what did he say? And the white, the Japanese lady is like, I, I don't speak Japanese. And she's like gestures to another one. It goes through every race of person, the black guy, the other Asian, which I don't remember what kind of, like if it was a Korean or whatever, but like every single person at the table was not Japanese, but per sp spoke person Japanese, spoke to every single person. She's still like, what kind of you know? And, and then the, the table is looking at her like, why don't you, why don't you not understand us? We're speaking Japanese. She's speaking English. And then the Japanese waitress like walks away in frustration. And I think there's like a side conversation. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but it was just kind of like, you know, who are these people thinking they can speak Japanese when they were clearly speaking Japanese. And that in a nutshell is what it's like to be a Japanese. That's not in Japan. It's like as a mixed person, everything about that scene made sense as an American born Japanese, everything about that scene made sense. The fact that the Japanese person, the ethnic Japanese person doesn't speak Japanese very much my experience you know like the whole thing it's pretty funny but it's spot on the experience it's, it, it's sad but i think it definitely helps communicate your experience thank you guys so much for listening to this episode aapi month was really good and i would love to talk to anyone from different asian american pacific islander ethnic groups who are mixed and want to share your experiences too 
Charmaine is one of the nicest people I've met and I'm so grateful she shared some of her experiences with me. You can find her on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Militantly Mixed. If you like what you heard, I know you'll love her podcast. If you'd like to share your stories or be a guest on the podcast, you can email me at somekindofbrown at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at somekindofbrown. This week's review is from Diana from the podcast Happily Ever After. She is so sweet, and I might have teared up just a little bit. Is there anything else? I think that's enough news for now. Thank you to Purple Planet for the use of their song Love Life, and I'll see you in two weeks with some more Shades of Brown.